0: welcome to 2020 politics war room with james carville in new orleans i'm al hunt here in washington at american university where we're proud partners with the sign institute we have so much to talk about today as the democratic presidential nomination appears to maybe be heading to a conclusion very soon we also have a really great guest But let me first ask you to please subscribe to 2020 Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, James, uh, with yesterday's results, I think this presidential nominating race for the Democrats is, is virtually over. Something unforeseen, I suppose, could happen in the next six months. We can't see now. But it's Biden v. Trump. But let's get ready to rumble. That was a landslide win for Joe Biden yesterday. Big margins south, Midwest, even out west. Delegate lead is significant. But, you know, it's going to get even bigger next week if Bernie should decide to stay in. 577 delegates in Florida, Ohio, Illinois, Arizona. And Joe is favored in all of them and a massive win in Florida. I think the only question is now is uh, if and when Bernie gets out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. It's ninety nine to one on five thirty eight because it just don't do a hundred to nothing, all right. It doesn't anything is, it you know ninety nine to one you get struck by a meter and die, so if, I mean it's decided in ninety nine to one
0: ninety nine ninety nine to one for Bernie to win,
1: yeah, but, but ninety nine to one for him to get the nomination against, all right. It, it, to what to what avail the Democratic voters have spoken loudly, clearly they've spoken from every region. It's unmistakable. They want to get on to November, and it there there's nothing to accomplish here, nothing. And I and I see where Senator Sanders is in Vermont, and I'm I'm sure that he's meeting and considering his options. And, but you know, I just say if if I think he is, and it's been pointed out, he is a small D Democrat. And if you're a small D Democrat, you got to say this is the will of the people, and I I, I respect that. And we got to
0: move on. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And let's, you know, let's let's us move on now. Let's talk about six and a half months of Biden v. Trump. I mean, what are the challenges for Joe Biden right now? This Trump attack is going to be vicious, James. I mean, they're already, you know, coming back. They're going to have hearings on the Hill about the Hunter Biden controversy, uh, and and Trump has suggested that Biden is seen. it's going to be vicious. So, what are what are Joe's challenges now?
1: First of all. Part of his challenge is, is to understand that this country is ready for a change. So therefore, his campaign slogan should be Joe Biden, because it's time for a change. And just leave it at that. Now, Trump is, you know, the thing about Biden is he's so well known and people know who he is. And yes, Trump is going to come after him every which kind of way you can do it. The campaign is is totally caught off guard by this, as, as anyone would be, and they're just getting geared up. And they need to stop running in these primaries and start building a campaign here for the general election. And that's going to take some time. And the sooner they can turn, turn to that effort, the, the better off it's going to be. But the, yes, they're going to get... The Trump people are going to come by like crazy. They're going to hunt a Biden. They're going to call him all kind of names. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. But, you know, remember... The other side gets to play and, you know, Biden can't, you know, they can be smart about how to go back at Trump. And, but, but the country does not want to reelect Trump. That is just as clear as, as you can imagine it. And generally, when people don't want to do something, they, they look for an excuse to do that, which they don't want to do. And, it, it, you know, Trump's just he, he's caged. They're all scared as they should be. This thing is going very poorly for them. And there's a real good chance that he's just going to lash back so hard and so panic himself that he actually hurts himself beyond the 42% he's got now.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I I I do think on, on the Hunter Biden, and let's just you know, in, in, in summary, it's very – this is very easy to summarize. Hunter Biden worked for a Ukrainian energy uh, company. He was on the board. He had no qualifications whatsoever. If his, if his name had been Hunter Smith, he never would have had that job. It was wrong. It should have been stopped. Joe Biden – not only did not do anything wrong, he did everything right. These are two separate issues. Uh, he went and he he really cracked, forced the Ukrainians to crack down on corruption, got rid of a bad prosecutor. Uh, and uh, I don't know, family reasons, his son, the golden boy, Bo, was dying. But but they'll they'll come after him. They'll have hearings in the Hill. There'll be fake documents. And I think a key. And I, I remember going to a dinner once with Pete Buttigieg, uh, and he was asked how he would handle Trump, and he said, "Sometimes you just have to treat him as the crazy uncle in the closet." Uh, and I think uh, Joe needs needs a little bit of discipline in this. He doesn't have to lash back at every one of Trump's crazy vitriolic attacks.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, you know, the campaign has got to. They need to get some good surrogates and train them and get them out there. Uh, and it, 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 look, if you, what happened here is is something so remarkable in American politics, so this race is like literally stuck in neutral, and it's going and Bernie's doing well and Mayor Pete did well in Iowa and you know going on and in Nevada,
0: Elizabeth had her and time had
1: her time, and all of a sudden. Yeah, South Carolina, and the most remarkable thing I've ever seen, and he wins South Carolina by a huge margin. And then seventy-two hours later, he blows the hinges off of the Virginia Democratic primary, in particular, Northern Virginia. Joe Biden didn't have a single volunteer—not a bumper sticker, not a yard sign, not a phone call, not anything. Once these suburban women saw that that's who people were voting for, they came and came and came. And there's a very good Tim Alberta piece in Politico magazine about Livingston County, Michigan, which is a, a fluent and hard, hardcore Republican county, kind of between Detroit and Ann Arbor and Lansing. They had an increase in turnout of 56 percent. People, if Biden can just stay focused and, and, and just run an OK campaign, the Democrats are going to win everything everything.
0: Yeah, it's a national. I mean, he, Joe Biden can run a national campaign, and he's not going to win Alabama. But Doug Jones, the senator down there, won't have to run away from him. And conversely, I'll give you ten bucks, James, every time that Susan Collins appears with Donald Trump uh, when it comes to a national campaign. Edge Democrats.
1: I I, I wouldn't. I'd only put it seventy five percent that she's going to run. She has. She, they, she's going to lose. I I I mean you can just feel this thing coming man. It 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 not you know you can say well one poll has it 52 to 46 of that doesn't matter. You you can just you could feel it coming in in 81. I mean in 8 I mean in 80 you could feel it coming in 08, you could feel it coming in 08 and you feel it coming now. You know I I guess you, after the convention you could feel it coming in 92. But th- this is this is a big wave forming out there in you know, the only thing that was going to stop it is if the, we did something stupid in our nominating process and we did not do that. And I think that, you know, it's just look at the turnout. Look at what's happening in these women. It's, it's just it's staggering. I mean, we saw it in, in New Hampshire. We saw it in South Carolina. We saw it in Virginia. We're seeing it in Michigan. I mean,
0: come on, guys. He's doing well. He, he's doing well across the board with the exception of young voters. Uh, and uh, they usually, uh, they have turnout problems anyway. But he is winning uh, African-Americans by huge margins. Uh, Bernie Sanders isn't even going to get the 15% threshold in Mississippi. Uh, and he is combining that with great showings in the suburbs, which were what made nine, uh, May 2018, uh, the big Democratic year that it was. I mean, everything is there for Joe Biden.
1: It is. And... and- you know, honestly, this is a kind of thing where, you, when you make pancakes, you don't overbeat the batter. All right, you just get as soon as everything gets wet, you stop. All right, I'll trust yeah, you on that. on that. <laughs> that that's a, that's the rule of making pancakes. They don't need to overbeat the batter. All right, the, the, this is a situation where don't just stand there do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm being somewhat facetious here, but. Less is more here, guys. Less is more. Less on the schedule, you know, less big kind of events and that kind of stuff. And, you know, just be Joe Biden, time for a change guy, you know, and and people are are, are just they're locked and loaded, man. They're ready to come out and vote. I promise.
0: Yeah. And I think one uh, one advantage that he will have now, which wasn't apparent a while back, was uh, when he. When he campaigns a lot, when he has a hectic schedule, he he sometimes makes makes mistakes. I guess a lot of people do. It's not just unique to Joe Biden. But one thing he's not going to have to do uh, in the next couple months is all that fundraising that people thought he was going to have to. He's going to have to do some, but uh, but 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 Mike Mike Bloomberg is going to pour. Uh, A billion dollars in this campaign. Joe will raise a lot now that he's a winner, but that Trump money advantage has just been neutralized. And 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 the and the technology advantage may be mostly neutralized, and and that'll make a. We we got to do a show on that. We we got to get someone. Yeah, you know note. why I worry about that, James. Um, I worry about that. I think with you know the software, the technology, the things they have. I think what I understand what Bloomberg has is is as good as what uh, Trump has. The advantage that Trump has is that on places like Facebook. What really attracts clicks, you know, viewers, whatever, is the incendiary. Stuff the really angry, mean, often racist stuff, uh, and he does that. And uh, I don't know how you how you counter that. And Facebook isn't willing to take down stuff that's clearly false. So he does have that advantage. That's a that's a challenge. But I think money wise, and 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 you know, as far as you know, identifying voters, I think the Democrats will be playing an even playing field.
1: I hope so. I hope so. And I I, I know money wise, we will be an even playing field. And you know, I, I think you're going to start seeing a, a lot of pressure on, on the Republicans but between Biden. I mean, when they started, you know, six weeks ago, they were looking really good. And now, uh, you know, between Biden emerging as, as a dominant frontrunner. OK, I mean, a do, I mean, a really dominant frontrunner. And unfortunately, the, this virus, there's been good reason to be concerned. I mean, and, and if you're a Democrat, you don't kid yourself. You you, you got to—we can do it, but you, you, you got to lose this one. <laughs> you got to try. You, yeah. It's going to take some
0: effort. Oh, oh, yeah. No question. I mean, it's just amazing that if you look back five weeks ago, the I mean, Republicans were cocky. Uh, the Democrats were going to have a long, protracted battle. Bernie might be the nominee. The economy is humming. Trump has been— uh, Uh, cleared, if you will, or at least he was not cleared, but he was not uh, found guilty of uh, as he should have been uh, for an impeachable offense. And they were just riding high. Wow. Six weeks. Now, James, here's my caveat. Here's what scares me a little bit. Uh, static analysis has been wrong for the last year. I'm not it so
1: you've noticed I haven't engaged much of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I, I think things look awfully good uh, for the other side today. Uh, but, but, but I, you know, there's still a little bit of a worry there. There should be.
1: I, there's, you know, more than a little bit of worry. I just think that. The Biden campaign needs to be smart they, they need to limit the events. It's okay you know the, the, the enthusiasm is out there. you don't have to, you know it, it just they can raise some money, but you know with this virus thing coming up and there's not much they're going to be able to do anyways, which is <laughs> I mean you don't want you know they've they really got to take careful that he does not get sick.
0: Yeah, no, it really is a big issue and he ought to be, you know, very careful. And uh, when Trump calls him senile, which he really has, and he says, you know, he forgets names and places, my God, Trump forgets 10 times more except, you know, a hundredfold more he lies about them. So it's not exactly his strong point.
1: Right, they, they got a tape of a 100 things of Trump slurring words and saying he's in the wrong place and not knowing what he's talking about. I mean, like, I think that the more that Biden, you know, let's see, if, you know, the question is, do you engage that or do you say this is just the same thing you've been seeing for four years in American politics? I, I, I'm really running, you know, because I think we can do better than this. I really do.
0: Yeah, it goes back to the point you made a few minutes ago. Surrogates ought to take on that responsibility. And uh, he he ought to channel a little bit about what Pete Buttigieg says, treating him as the crazy uncle in the closet because uh, that's what he is. Um,
1: what what they don't have that I know of is they don't have, like, a person that goes out and represents them or, you know, a team of people that go James, out. And James,
0: represent. let me – I know a little bit about this. They had people who did this, but but that campaign, Chris Dodd and John Kerry and others, that campaign was so disorganized back in, in Iowa and in New Hampshire, you didn't know about them. Uh, I mean, at one point, one of them showed up – one of them showed up in Iowa and said, where should I go? <laughs> Biden people said beats us, uh, but but that's changed.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's changing. It, it, but it, it it just goes to show you what a historic time that the Democratic Party is in. And and I can assure you of this. And I, I, I the the one single thing that I have been consistently right about since this started is they just want to win. I mean everything came down to you know, all all got ability and, and, you know, the Medicare for all. It 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 was some Democrats didn't like Medicare for all. But what they thought was that was a losing issue, that that would hurt you in a general election. As soon as that got that, the whole thing was mildewed. You couldn't touch it. It was gone forever. And, and you know, you, you hear this so much anecdotally is that, well, I might have, I don't you know, vote for women, but I don't know if other women are going to vote for a woman or whatever. The people were so scared about anything that touched on beating Trump that just drove the entire campaign. It didn't matter how many position papers you put out. I don't think Biden had a position paper on anything. It didn't matter how many volunteers you had. It didn't even matter how many television spots you had. Once people had the sense that, hey, this person can get votes, and that's it. I'm out of here. Boom.
0: Stunning. No question. And it was, I mean decades from now, maybe a century from now, uh, political scientists and history will be writing about those four days. Unfortunately, it was both February and uh, March. But those four days, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, South Carolina through Super Tuesday, were we've never seen anything like it no. in American politics before. And,
1: and, and for me, who's made my living and, you know, I'm known to be a campaign guy, the campaign didn't matter here. <laughs> right. It didn't, right. It literally didn't matter.
0: <laughs> well, let me just say, I think Jim Clyburn deserves all the credit in the world. It was Jim Clyburn. I think Joe Biden deserves credit. But I'll tell you who deserves the lion's share of the credit for those four days. Donald J. Trump. This was, this was, you know, let's find a way to get rid of him. Oh, and Joe is the horse.
1: Yeah, he just they just they didn't care. It was, a, you know, the Clyburn thing was just, he was like the, The lamplighter. You know, we were all in the, you know, in the wilderness, not knowing where to go. And boy, somebody lit the lamp, and everybody said, "Boop, let's go." And I mean, I think that that was some of you know Clavin's moral authority in in South Carolina, Uh, and you know, he had built up relationships, you know, for his entire life, and the the decency in which he he endorsed Biden. You know, who who would have ever thought in politics that suburban women in Virginia would would take their cue from African-American voters in South Carolina. But that has happened, ladies and gentlemen. We are we are living in we're living history right now. History I never thought I'd see.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think, look, uh, there's some uh, some difficult people uh, in the Sanders uh, wing, uh, the Bernie bros. Uh, but I think the I think whatever bitterness existed in this is going to really not be that difficult to pay for. Some of them will walk, walk, because that's what they are. But I I think there have been some very divisive. I actually think this is less divisive uh, in the end, or will be by the time you get to the Milwaukee convention uh, than it was uh, four years ago.
1: So Ed Kilgore, who's a really smart guy, we should have him on the show at some point, pointed out that right now, Bernie. And Joe Biden are more popular among Democrats than Donald Trump was among Republicans at a comparable time in 2016, right? We're not, we're, the, the party is not very divided, right? It's really not. They, they The party kind of likes both. And, it, it, you know, if they just handle this with minimal political skill, uh, it might entail Biden going to Vermont, right? In saying, you know, we we're, we're together. It's, it, it, there's a good chance, if if everybody acts, you know, in 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 a way that we want to win, that we can come out of this thing not not just okay, but but pretty doggone good. Because the Democrats are, are are pretty united, and I don't think the problem that Bernie's going to have going on is the party wants to unite. They're not interested anymore. It's just not the same world. And he's got to, you know, he's got to figure the world. If he goes back on a campaign trail, there's not going to be the world that he came off of. And I think he understands that.
0: Yeah. James, I hate to even ask this question, but it's the favorite of all pundits and even some politicos now. And a lot of trees will unnecessarily be cut down and a lot of hot air wasted uh, on broadcast, broadcast uh, venues uh, about who's Joe going to pick as his running mate. I don't think any presidential candidate in my memory has had any idea in March who they are going to pick. I I buy into the conventional wisdom. I think he's likely to pick a woman. But other than that, I think every it's fun speculation. It really is. And makes for great cocktail chatter. But, you know, nobody knows.
1: No, I I, I, I do think that he he's going to pick a woman.
0: Yeah, I do too.
1: And uh, just because I I don't know that the average female voter really cares. They just want to get Trump out of there, all right. But I I, I don't know that. But it's just a it, we should. I mean, the, the, you know what the party is about, and uh, it it just it, without if you don't, it'll be nothing but stories about you know it's all. All, all men. So, uh, I presumably he will. But you know that they, that, there's a lot. I mean, they, how they handle this process, how they drag it out, how they make the announcement. You know that that that, the good thing about that that occupies a lot of space, a lot of commentary, a lot of ink, a lot of everything. When you're not making gas, you're not out, you know, getting confused where you are. You, you know, studying and interviewing candidates for, for vice president and everything. And your campaign is leaking, and you know you. You're creating a narrative around this
0: yeah and having the luxury of time is valuable uh you know trying to do it uh right uh, right as you're at wherever that convention site is is usually uh, produced a disaster uh witness sarah palin uh, and uh, so i i i you know i you're right it'll it'll be it'll be fun to chatter about but uh it won't it won't uh it'll it'll happen James, as I said, we are privileged to have with us John Barry, a great journalist, author. I remember his terrific book on Jim Wright and Newt Gingrich. I guess that was 30 years ago. God, am I old. Uh, but we're going to talk today about his classic influenza pandemic of 1918 that killed 50 million people. John, uh, first of all, it's good to have you on. Thank you.
2: Well, happy to be here. A lot better than the alternative, as they say, all, all three of us. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Well, is that true? John, one of the mistakes that was made back in 1918 and 19 by both, uh, you know, American leaders and European leaders was not leveling with the people, trying to underplay this, this terrible threat. Do you fear we're seeing a rerun of that today with Trump and coronavirus?
2: Well, uh, clearly. Uh, you do have to distinguish between the White House and the rest of the administration, though. Uh, you know, CDC tries to tell the truth corrects the president. Tony Fauci tries to tell the truth. Connect corrects the president and, you know, even Pence uh doesn't exactly correct the president, but when he makes a statement, it's, you know, reasonably accurate. So it's just Trump and Hannity and you know, the you know, Rush and and the reality is that's that's it's not just bad politics because it's going to come back and bite them. All it does is undermine their credibility, but it actually makes it more dangerous for everybody.
0: Well, we'll talk about that. I mean, talk about the the, the analogy to 1918. What what was done wrong then, and and how did it uh, inflame, exacerbate, and make the uh, the the influenza worse?
2: Well, we were of course at war, and uh, Wilson had one single. Focus, and that was winning the war and mobilizing the entire country, getting the entire country totally focused. Uh, so there was a context there that the influenza pandemic fell into, and the context was that you keep morale up, you you, you know only tell good news, uh, you attack any negative thoughts. So when the pandemic came along, national public health leaders were saying it was referred to as Spanish influenza, even though it didn't start in Spain, uh, but it was, uh, they said, this is ordinary influenza by another name. Uh, the Surgeon General of the U.S. says you have nothing to fear if, if ordinary precautions are taken. And those precautions included things like opening your bowels regularly. Uh <laughs> At the same time, this disease was lethal, considerably more lethal than coronavirus, uh, and in, it could cause horrific symptoms. You know, people could die in less than 24 hours. Uh, some some people were bleeding not only from their nose and mouth, but from their eyes and ears. Uh, the book, I quote a letter from a doctor to a colleague saying that people were turning so dark blue from lack of oxygen that he had difficulty distinguishing, uh, Caucasian troops from African American troops that of course was spreading rumors of, you know, the black death. And at the same time, uh, the government is telling you and, and local officials were echoing uh, the national leaders on this, uh, the Chicago Health Commissioner, for example, said nothing was done to interfere with the morale of the community. <clears throat> so people are hearing this stuff when they know perfectly well it's not ordinary influenza by another name. In fact, it was so bad The uh, at one point when Philadelphia finally banned all public gatherings, including church services, closed saloons and theaters, and so forth. Uh, One of the newspapers even said, this is not a public health measure. There is no cause for alarm. I mean, how stupid did they think people were? So people, you know, very quickly lost all trust in authority, and they began to lose trust in each other. Uh, And society began to fray. Uh, There were reports of uh, people starving to death, because everyone, no, their neighbors, even even family members, wouldn't bring them food. Uh, it got so bad that a sober, serious scientist, not given to overstatement, who had been dean of the University of Michigan Medical School before the war and was head of the Army's Communicable Disease Division during the war, said if the rate of acceleration continues a few more weeks, civilization could easily disappear from the face of the earth. That's how bad it got. Uh, you know we're not at that level here, but you know when you have something dangerous and you're being lied to, it's extremely alienating and isolating. You don't know where to turn. Uh, it becomes every person for himself or herself.
0: Boy, it sure does, James.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, John,
1: let's just let's sort of fantasize it. But, but Vice President Pence calls you and he says, John, look. I, I, uh, as, as you can imagine, I'm, I'm having a difficult time here, but, you know, I, I'm convinced. What are the three things I need to do immediately? What would you tell him?
2: Well, I would say, you know, just get out front and say, look, this thing is coming. Whether it's in your community right now or not, it's going to get there. Uh, there are... And it, uh, you know, and tell people what to expect and you tell them what the government is going to do about it. You tell them what strategies are in place and why they're in place. You basically drown them in factual information. So they have, they face reality. People can deal with the truth. I think, you know, just telling someone to wash their hands is not adequate. You know, for example, I mean, they say, okay, at least 20 seconds. I mean, how many people actually wash their hands for 20 seconds? And if they do it the first once, are they going to do it next week? Um, in 2009, at the height of fear in Mexico City, when swine flu first surfaced, uh, the government urged people to wear masks on public transit and gave them out for free. Now, whether the masks do any good or not is a different issue, but the point is they were, they were given for free and recommended highly, more than just recommended. So usage peaked at 65%. In 10 days after that, it was down to 10%. So it's not just a question of doing something. It's a question of doing something the right way every time, every day for a period of weeks. I mean, that's another part of the story that... You know, we may or may not have to close all sorts of places, but you have to make it clear that these interventions have to be sustained. I mean, in SARS, for example, many healthcare workers died. It is hypothesized a lot of them died because they didn't take off their protective equipment properly. You know, there's a procedure to follow. And it has to be followed precisely every time, not most of the time. Every time, it's it's just a, it's a question of discipline. And these kinds of messages are not really being communicated. Uh, the expectations they need to uh, need to be set properly. Uh, you need to advise local public health leaders and state public health leaders what the triggers are to take particular actions uh school closings is a lot more thought has to go into that whether or not you do or do not want to close schools uh right now i haven't enough data to figure out whether i personally would recommend them uh they do put a stress on the community but when you close them for for a couple of weeks what happens when you bring them back and somebody else has uh, a case which will happen you're going to close them again for 2 weeks or you're going to keep them closed for a month uh there's there's very little data yet on if in in influenza in a serious influenza pandemic definitely you would close schools because it is clear that children spread influenza they're generally you know could be super spreaders uh it's not at all clear that that's the case here. Now, out of an abundance of caution, you might do that, but it'd be nice to have a lot more data before you recommend school closings in this disease. It's a different disease. Um, but there are all sorts of things. And again, you know, guidance for the local leadership uh, as to timing. So, I mean, those are two of the keys timing and sustained compliance with whatever is recommended. I mean, that, earlier I had said that, uh, you know, Trump and Limbaugh and Hannity and so forth were dangerous. And the reason was uh, a Trump supporter who listens to them is much less likely to comply with any guidance coming out of Tony Fauci, say, than, than would a Democrat, because the Trump supporter has been told this is all a sham. And that is not only dangerous to that individual, but it's dangerous to the community at large. So there are there are a couple of goals we need to set. You know, for one thing, the most interesting and I think the most important number coming out of China, whatever the actual uh, case fatality rate is, we know that in Wuhan, it's 5.8%. Outside, in the rest of the country, it's 0.7%. And the reason isn't because the medical care, the quality of the care is any different. The reason is Wuhan is overwhelmed. There were no intensive care unit beds uh, available. And so people, people died. You know, we need to stretch the pandemic out, and it is a pandemic, uh, so that there will be beds available for people in intensive care units. You know, we need an investment of dollars to get more uh, intensive care unit beds. So on a short-term basis, that may be very difficult, may not be even possible. Uh, But there are a lot of things that can be done. Well,
1: of course, of course, one of the things that they were able to, at least according to the figures they have, it's in the press, South Korea and China were able to, the infection rates are going down, Right can we do anything as draconian as as their system? Is the South Korean system just different than ours? Or are there things under our system we can do that at least they're stopping the spread of this
2: thing? Well, I don't think a free society would tolerate what's going on there. And in in this case, the police state in China, uh, I mean, Singapore is not a, a police state, but they've, Done an amazing job controlling it. Hong Kong has done well. I don't think you're going to get the kind of compliance and enforcement you get in the United States. I mean, Italy initially quarantined, uh, you know, a, f- a few towns, but that quarantine was a sieve. Uh, they've now, you know, taken much more aggressive action over a much wider area, obviously. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith that. That is going to be any more complete. Maybe it will be. Uh, in the United States, we are so far behind because of the testing fiasco. I mean, I, I know preparedness people I've talked to since this first surfaced, uh, you know, have been saying for weeks, you know, that we should be testing much more widely. Uh, and, you know, we weren't doing it. And now, Uh, The disease is seeded through in many parts of the country. Uh, You know, down here in Louisiana, we just now have, yesterday was supposedly our first case. Now there are six. Uh, And, you know, there are more out there probably. We can slow it down with isolation. I don't know that in our society with, you know, different, you know, 50 different, state public health agencies without real authority from the federal government uh, on them i don't know that we'll be able to accomplish what they've accomplished in china uh, it would be great if we could but i'm not optimistic uh even if we do and you certainly this virus is circulating in areas of the world that basically have zero public health infrastructure or very weak you know africa and so forth uh Indonesia it's probably all over Indonesia even though there aren't a heck of a lot of cases reported but they had direct flights from Wuhan uh so this virus is eventually going to reinfect even you know China's very successful let's say let's say they 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 do stamp it out and let's say it does not surge back when they go back to work which is very possible even the Chinese have been uh reasonably honest about that possibility uh you know that they, they are likely to be reinfected from the rest of the world eventually as would the west be. so this virus is here to stay buying time is crucial because the more time you do, the longer you delay it the closer we are to a vaccine or to drugs. I mean, that's one thing that is very promising here is there do seem to be uh, some drugs that may work against this. Not the case in influenza.
0: John, let me pick up on, I I think your point is a very good one. We don't have a Chinese system. It's harder for us to do some of the things that they did, just mandatory shutdowns of people. But, you know, if you had national leadership, even with our our federalist system, I mean, I don't know if it's a good idea to close down sporting events or not, but I do know the NIH has recommended against anyone going to any event that involves more than 50 people for right now. Well, I mean, those sporting events contain a lot more than 50 people, and more than a few of them are...
2: Well, in in 1919, they canceled the Stanley Cup. Finals. Yeah,
0: well, and I was going to say more than a few of them are geezers like us uh, who are most susceptible. If yeah. you had a president who said, "We ought to," I'm sorry, I love games, but this is a time now where you're not going to do that. Uh, that would make a difference. Well, I
2: agree with you on that, and uh, you know, totally. And it would be great if he stood there with uh, Nancy Pelosi and made statements like that. Well,
0: he he won't talk to her. He won't talk to her, John, about this because he's mad at her. They said.
2: <laughs> I mean you know i said earlier that wilson had one single focus and that was winning the war as you know unfortunately this president seems to have one single focus and that's winning re-election period uh the fact is that what he is doing now is counterproductive even in his own political self-interest uh i'm astounded that he continues to do it again from the standpoint of his own political self-interest uh even trump supporters have to recognize as the cases in the united states mount as you know merkel says two-thirds of germans might get infected you know that this is not a hoax and <laughs> the case count isn't going to zero anytime soon uh it just makes yeah well you know, I'm sure not only do you and I agree, I think, you know, probably 99% of the Republicans in the Congress agree with that. Uh, it's just stupid.
1: So, so John, dangerous. tell me, how is John Barry, how are you dealing with this? What, what, how have you changed your habits or your lifestyle since today as opposed to where you were in January?
2: Well, I am aware of hand-washing, and as I said, you have to do it for at least 20 seconds, scrub like a surgeon and do it every time properly. That's one. Now, hand transmission of respiratory diseases is generally about, you know, roughly 20% of respiratory diseases transmitted hand to um, mouth or eyes or nose, you know, when you, when you go to your face. So that's not everything, even if you're completely successful. Uh, I can tell you that public restrooms are probably the most dangerous places. Uh, this is also a, uh, not just a respiratory virus, but it does not infect the uh, gastrointestinal system. Uh, it's even been found in urine. I mean, people would laugh when you say this, but it's quite possible flatulence could expel virus uh public restroom dangerous places avoid them unless absolutely necessary and if you're in one, absolutely be you know wash i mean really scrub those hands and then when you open the door, you know put you know a couple of pieces of uh layers of of paper towels uh of course, the automatic faucets. In many public restrooms in modern buildings, you can't get any water out of them. Try try, try getting a flow of water for 20 seconds under them. Uh, you know, so it, and of course, you know, I'm not I'm not going to NBA games. Not that I go very often anyway. Uh, you know, avoiding you know the the, the obvious stuff. Um, it's not really in the community here yet. So I'm going out to dinner tonight. Uh, I'm sure I'll be going to a restaurant next week uh, until there's general community spread. You know, timing does matter.
0: Would you go to a movie theater, John?
2: No, I wouldn't go to a movie
1: theater. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, had last night I had a, video just uh, Skype into my class at LSU and he made, and he was the TV czar for, city of Philadelphia, so a you know, pulmonologist is, you know, and said the same thing he did. He said there's a Chinese, you've been in, a lot of times public restrooms or it was a Chinese restaurant, people would be sick and it'd go cough in, in the in the public restroom. And, you know, and the, that is a piece of advice that y'all both wholeheartedly agree on. And to all of our listeners, you know, if you gotta go, you gotta go. But man, clean yourself like you never clean yourself before when you do. That, that'd be my counsel based on, on you and Bruce Davidson. So, John, before we go, that, uh, of course, uh, in addition to the great influenza, John wrote a book that i assigned to every class I've had called Rising Tide, which is a story about the 1927 floods, but about so much more. But I want to take a little time for a little levity here. You have a background in football. Why don't you share with, our, with Mr. Hunt and our listeners uh, your, your career in football?
2: Well, I sat on the bench at Brown okay. <laughs> and, and uh, I, I, since we <laughs> were I, a poor team and I sat on the bench and I love football. I wanted to get it out of my side. I didn't want to leave the game that way. So I coached for a few years and I, uh, I did end up coaching at uh, Tulane when Tulane still played a well they have a pretty decent schedule now but back then we played uh six acc teams and three sec teams we were uh, ranked number 11. we beat uh number five ranked lsu team 14 nothing before what was then the largest crowd ever to watch a football game in the south and every time i see james well, I don't have to <laughs> really remind him about that. He he remembers. I, I was on the sideline <laughs> he, for that. I still think that's the most important thing I've ever done. Steve, <laughs> part of that staff. <laughs>
0: hey, hey, John, didn't Bill Belichick go to Brown?
2: No, he went to uh, Wesleyan.
0: We, Wesleyan, that's right. Well, I confuse all those elitist schools uh, up there. With yeah. the Brown. I, yeah. I did a profile of a guy. You, you may have known. I don't know if you ever knew Kirk O'Donnell when you were working on your gym. Oh, right, book.
2: and I worked teammates classmates i loved kirk he was a very good uh, cool friend
0: he he was a great i i did a profile of kirk o'donnell once and i referred to him as a brown football star which of course is an oxymoron uh and i think that's probably true
2: <laughs> well Brian, kirk played more than i did but i'm not sure that he uh to tell the truth i don't think he started but i might be mistaken on that uh but he was better than i was
0: well, he was—he was one of my favorite people of all times. A great Hi, everybody, guy. we
2: loved everyone loved Kirk, and uh, you know, it was a great loss.
0: Uh, you have been one of our favorite guests of all times, John. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, one of my favorite—I'll tell you—one of my
1: favorite, the, the gutsiest guy that I've ever known in my life. Okay, well,
2: thank you very much. The next time I see you in Starbucks in Washington, I'll—I'll I'll introduce myself. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, yeah, do that. But we know. I saw you years ago when you were working on that right book. But also, as I say, I'm I'm not great in the morning. So when I'm wearing that dirty pen sweatshirt, please uh, just just hit me. But thank you very much, and I hope all of our listeners, James, you 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 put it perfectly. They listen to the advice uh, that John gave. Wash your hands carefully if you can avoid public uh, restrooms. And and as much as I love movies, stay away from movies and ball games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we've gotten. You know some really good practical, doable advice, and all you can do is reduce your risk. Reduce your risk. You know, Um, I'm glad to say that he he thinks it's okay to go out in New Orleans because I'm going to lunch today. But I think I'm (laughs) I'm packing up and going to Mississippi. And
2: well, maybe in a few weeks I won't. But uh, right, I I understand. uh, Again, timing is everything. Right now, there are six cases in the state. You know, there are probably more than that, but it's not like there are hundreds or thousands. So, you know, I intend to live my life, but I'm not going to do anything stupid, you know. Well,
0: uh, despite the bad, you know, let's. this is just uh, this is a very scary time. But, John, you have enlightened us. Thank you again. Uh, and as this progresses, I hope, if possible, you'll come on again. Sure.
2: OK, good to talk
0: to you.
1: Thank you so much, John. Thank you. This, this, this means a lot. It really does. This is a big, big moment for our show
0: thank you okay james carville uh you know we did okay for two old guys today
1: yeah some people don't disappoint right <laughs> right yeah right,
0: right. and you know, uh, i could have listened to him for another half hour another hour
1: yeah his his i mean his knowledge of this stuff is just encyclopedia yeah it is
0: well uh as is yours of american politics which we will still have a lot to talk about next week uh So I want to thank everyone for listening to 2020 Politics War Room. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Be charitable again. The podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. For James Carbell, I'm Al Hunt. We'll talk to you next week.